Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Season 3, Episode 6. Band candy. Okay, this episode was great. <laughs> like, this is the best episode we've gotten in a while. Hilarious. This is one of the most iconic episodes, right? Like, if you ask anybody what are your top 10 Buffy episodes, this one lands on the list quite frequently. I have to say, I like this episode because it goes by really fast. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it. the pacing of this episode is great. Like, nothing in this episode lags. There's no part of this episode where I'm sitting there going, why is this scene here? <laughs> it's a wild ride, this episode. Honestly, it has it all, okay? We've got a teenage Snyder. We've got shirtless angel performing ancient Chinese traditions. We have a youthful, rebellious Giles. Joyce in her prime. Buffy in charge. So little Xander. I mean... I, I, I could go on with how much I liked this episode. Oh, I cannot wait to talk about it. Why don't we do it's it? It's so good. Okay, so let's let's just get right into it because I, I can't wait. Band Candy starts with a shot of the cemetery. And I love when the show starts off at the cemetery. It just like sets the pace. You know, we're in a vampire show. And Buffy is sitting in front of a tombstone. And I'll point out that she's wearing sweatpants. She's not wearing her mini skirts on this particular night. She's outgrown them. And Giles is standing behind the tombstone and he's reading from a book and it sounds really, really serious. And he's saying, and on that tragic day, an era came to its inevitable end. That's all there is. You ready? And Buffy says, hit me. And Giles says, which of the following best expresses the theme of the passage? A, violence breeds violence. B, all things must end. C, and Buffy says B because they haven't had that one in forever. And Giles basically says, this is the SATs, not connect the dots. <laughs> so it's really cute that Giles is here helping Buffy study and slay vampires. I think it's really sweet. Well, this is reinforcing what we heard in previous episodes, right? Which is Buffy is trying harder in school. She's actually making an effort. And Giles even says, right, like, you need to do well on these tests, unfortunately, uh, standardized tests. Mm. You need to do well on these in order to get into college. So it's kind of nice to see that he's supporting her desire to go to college after high school. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. And he, he says it's a rite of passage, like the SATs are a rite of passage. And I always love high school shows in the States where they talk about the SATs because you and I in Canada, in Canada land, we didn't have to do SATs and that kind of standardized True. testing, which is a good thing <laughs> because the SATs yeah. are kind of bullshit. But Buffy gives him snark and she mentions tribal mutilation. Like she makes a couple jokes about that. And I was like, mm. and then he says, just concentrate, Buffy. Like he's 
He's like, I'm here to help you. And Buffy tells him to roll because a vampire is approaching him from behind. And Buffy does like a flip over the tombstone. She fights the vampire, stakes him easily. And she says she broke her number two pencil. <laughs> and that basically they have to pack oh, no. it up. <laughs> and Giles has an extra one, of course. Well, but and I like how he doesn't even break a sweat, right? Like she says, oh, no, I broke my pencil. And even as she's saying we have to pack it up and call it a night, he's pulling one out from his breast pocket like nonchalant and just passes it to her doesn't even look at her and it's like giles knows all your tricks (laughs) giles doesn't have time for this and buffy is pouting and she says us and the undead are the only people in sunnydale working this late and i was like buffy did you just move here like of course you're not the only one working this late because we cut to the mayor's office where the mayor is talking to mr trick and he says that he appreciates him coming so early which so early Uh, To Mr. Trick, of course, because he's a vampire. And is saying this is a matter that's urgent and delicate. And he's asking Mr. Trick if he can handle this. And Mr. Trick is saying that it's out of his element, but he can get him what he needs. He knows a beast that knows a guy. (laughs) And the mayor says, are you sure that subcontracting is the way to go here? And Trick says that this guy has worked your town before. And if he lives up to his reputation, this place will be in flames. Ooh, I wonder who he's talking about. The mayor says that he's made deals to get to where he is today. And there's a demon that requires his tribute. And that's what separates him from other politicians. As he's opening his wardrobe in his office and you know technically that's where the mayor would probably keep his like alcohol (laughs) instead we see this shrine of spooky things spooky halloween things like shrunken heads skulls potions and he's saying that what makes him different from other politicians is that he keeps his campaign promises (laughs) yeah exactly and he lifts up this shrunken head and he's like now where did i put that scotch and then we cut to credits. <laughs> so Mayor is definitely evil and probably the big bad of this season. He seems like he's up to something. Yeah, and he's got Mr. Trick, who's subcontracting for him. So it's, it's lots of stuff going on here. We cut to Sunnydale School, and Buffy is telling Willow and Oz, as they're on the quad, that she's having bad dreams about the SATs. And Willow is wondering if it's one of her prophecy dreams. <laughs> and then she's like, but probably not. <laughs> and I want to say here, uh, this episode is genuinely hilarious. Like, I was yeah. howling at some of the things that they were saying in this episode. It's so good. So... Oz is saying, offering his help to the, to Buffy. He's saying that he took it last year, so he's already done it. He knows what it's all about. And Willow is saying that Oz is the highest scoring person ever to fail to graduate. And she's like so proud of him. And Buffy says, isn't she cute when she's proud? And Oz says, she's always cute. But then I remember what happened in the last episode, Kara, and I just got enraged. Let's not forget, guys. Willow and Xander cheated on Oz and Cordelia in the last episode. They made out and touched each other's right, hands. Right, but I'm sure that was just the last episode, Steph, and I'm sure nothing is going to happen in this episode that could possibly enrage you further. <laughs> my, my hopes are so low. Um, <laughs> Cordy and Xander meet up with them, and Willow is saying that we can work on it tonight, and Cordelia's like, oh God, are we killing something again? <laughs> And they're like, no, no, it's SAT prep. And Willow starts to say the whole Oz is the highest scoring guy that's ever failed, like that whole thing again. And Cordelia says, we know, we did the impressed thing already. So Willow's clearly been trying this line a couple of times. 
Xander saying that the SATs are fascist and, and discriminate against the uninformed. And Cordelia says that she looks forward to it because she does really well on standardized tests. <laughs> and they all give Cordelia this look and she's like, what? I can't have layers? And we're like, yeah, Cordelia, we've been saying about this about you for the last two seasons. You're so smart and everyone needs to recognize it. Buffy says that she can't study that night uh, because her, she's putting in mom time because apparently Joyce has been super drastic ever since Buffy got back and Giles is worse. Buffy is supervised 24-7. She's in the real world house, only real. Did you ever watch the real world? No. I think you and I are too young for it, actually. Probably. I was never really into reality TV either, so. That's fair, unless it's like Say Yes to the Dress or the the British Bake Off. (laughs) (laughs) So that's when they see Snyder, who's in the cafeteria handing out boxes of candy bars. And he says it's band candy, and he gives it to them, and he says, you will sell it to raise money for the marching band. And therefore, the new uniforms. And I was like, now, is this the jazz band? Like the jazz marching band? The marching jazz band, yeah. That Oz said he was part of. I bet it is. I bet it's the same one. Did you ever have to sell candy or something else to fundraise in school? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it doesn't come to mind that I did, but I no, we did. (gasps) We were selling sausages. And because I was vice president of student council, I had to go room to room and sell sausage tickets. And everybody was calling me sausage girl (laughs) near the end of the day. And kids can be so mean. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here, you know. Don't call Steph Sausage Girl. She'll hate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I think I sold candy in like grade eight. I think we were doing some kind of fundraising. But other than that, yeah, uh, I was never in like the band or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and the principal never forced non-band people to sell candy for the band. So. Yeah. Why the band? Usually it's like for the football team or, you know, like some sort of sports endeavor. So hey. Ever since Sunnydale's swim team lost their <laughs> shot at the championships, the band is all they have left. Okay, Steph? <laughs> I don't know why, but every episode we end up bringing up Go Fish. Like, that's truly the most remarkable episode that we've ever covered. Huh. Uh, it's true, though. That Sunnydale swim team really let us down. So the marching jazz band it is. And cut to Joyce and Buffy eating at their kitchen counter. And Buffy is getting... Joyce to buy the candy and she's like you're not in the band and Buffy's like and yet here we are and Joyce is like what am I gonna do with 40 boxes of chocolate wait 40 boxes is that how much she had that's how much she has oh my god that's so much it's so much I know how did she get that home I don't know magic (laughs) and Buffy's saying why don't you bring it to the gallery and you know it's like buy something pre-columbian get a free cavity and joyce agrees to buy 20 she buys 20 boxes so 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 is this line supposed to imply that joyce's gallery sells pre-columbian i.e indigenous artifacts they're just selling them to people that's not legal no correction joyce is stealing them (laughs) And selling them on her own in the black market. Um, Also, it doesn't surprise me that Joyce wants 20 boxes of chocolate because Joyce gets the munchies and needs the chocolate to get through her her nights. And she probably brings them to to the gallery where her and her colleagues all indulge in a nice midday puff and chocolate bar eating. So Joyce has the best job. You're right. Like selling art that isn't hers. (laughs) And Buffy says, 
you're a good mom. And she says, I'm the best. And Buffy says, the best moms let their daughters drive. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I like this little, I like their vibe in this this scene. I think it's like a nice back and forth. And Joyce does not want to have this conversation. And Buffy says she took the class and she watched the film with all the blood, death, and corpses. Like, she's ready. And Joyce says she failed the written test and wasn't allowed to take the road test. So I think, yeah, Buffy... You need to go and pass the written test before you can even ask to use the car. Duh. And Buffy says that was a year ago and she doesn't test well, even though the SATs are coming up. And Joyce justifies her choice. And she just says, you know, I spend enough time not knowing where you are. I don't want to add to that possibility that you're on the highway to Chicago. And Buffy says, I'm not taking off again. And if she wanted to, she would just take the bus. And Joyce gets really serious here and she says, don't. Like, I don't want you driving, okay? I want you here. And this is going back to season one, Joyce, where you and I were always saying, like, Joyce, if she really wants a fresh start, she needs to let go that Buffy got expelled at her last school. Mm -hmm. This is a repeat of that kind of thinking where Buffy ran away, she's back, and she wants to move forward with her life, and Joyce can't let it go. Yeah. You're right. Buffy says she has to go. So she says, Giles, slaying, double feature, I'm going to be late. And Joyce says, don't you think Mr. Giles is monopolizing a lot of your time? And I think it's funny here, too, that Joyce cares so much more about Buffy hanging out with Giles now that she knows that Buffy's a slayer and Giles is her watcher. Whereas before, didn't matter at all. That Buffy was yeah, hanging out exactly. with the librarian. I was just like, oh, you're spending more time with your, your librarian outside of school hours. That seems totally fine and normal. <laughs> yeah, nothing to worry about here. <laughs> but now that she knows exactly what they're doing and that he's helping her, she's like, don't you think you're spending too much time? <laughs> Joyce, you're all over the place today. And Buffy says, and does he ever say he's sorry? Buffy's really sarcastic in this episode, and I'm here for it. Like... She's been so dour and serious the past couple of episodes. I'm really liking, like, lighter Buffy. Yeah, she's snarkier, she's funnier, and uh, acting a lot more her age again, right? Like, 17, 18 years old. And we cut to Giles, who's blindfolding Buffy, and she says, ow, and he says, sorry. (laughs) And she's like, why do I put up with this? And Giles says, it's your destiny, and because I just bought 20 Coco-rific candy bars. (laughs) So... Giles and Joyce both bought Buffy's entire collection of 40 chocolate bar That's how you know they're good parents. That's amazing. That's amazing. Kids, if you ever had to sell candy and your parents didn't buy your entire supply, that's how you know they don't actually love you. And you can go home and you can accuse them of this right now. (laughs) It'll be a whole thing. It's just, yeah. Giles is handing Buffy a ball. This is to test her awareness of an opponent's location during a fight in total darkness. So he's like, wait five seconds, then throw the ball at me. And he's tiptoeing around her. And Buffy is just saying, saying like, oh, you ran out of new training ideas about a week ago, huh? <laughs> As he's walking around her, she counts down to one. And then she turns the opposite way. So her back is to Giles. And he is looking so smug. And she throws the ball. And as she throws it, he's like, it's not that simple, is it? But it bounces off the wall and hits Giles directly on the head. (laughs) Buffy takes off the blindfold and she's like, okay, thanks. Then she goes to leave. And Giles is like, where are you going? We have to patrol. And she says her mom's on hyperdrive and she wants to go home uh, and she has to go home. So she says, enjoy the candy and leaves. 
And, you know, this is lies. Lies. She's lying to Giles. All the lies coming back. Where is she going in Stone Staff? Oh, Oh, she's going where we all want her to go, which is to the mansion to see Angel and bring him his dinner. Dinner in a baggie. It, it literally is. Liter- it's literally yeah, it is. dinner in a bag. It the is. tradition yeah. continues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, this takes me right back to season one, the first time she gave him dinner in a bag. And it's just, you know, these two. <sighs> so she shows up at the mansion. And what is Angel doing? He is doing Tai Chi shirtless in the garden. And <sighs> so many things to say about this. So hot. Uh, do vampire sweat because he is and I don't care if this is inconsistent doesn't make any sense he is sweating <laughs> and Buffy's staring at him for such a long time and I was like yeah like I, I also would like just glare I just want to point out for our listeners that this is literally what Steph had written in her notes in all caps <laughs> so hot do vampire sweat who cares Bobby watches him for a long time. Yes, girl, yes. Um. <laughs> it's just such a good scene. Come on. This is what we came here for, everybody. And unfortunately, Angel sees Buffy and he's just like, Buffy. <laughs> and she's like, I didn't know you could do that. And I was like, we all knew that he could be hot and shirtless, but it's true. We didn't know that he could do Tai Chi. And uh, I'm oh. really glad that the show is giving us a little bit of the female gaze, you know, and for all of our listeners who are attracted to men, like, soak it up, drink it in, right? Quench your thirst, everybody, because this was a good scene. And as he's Angel saying he's feeling better, he starts to fall down, which gives Buffy an excuse to go and touch him. So Buffy <laughs> goes to touch him and oh their bodies God. are beside each other and she's helping him inside and there's a fire on and somehow just like angel acquired clothes you know very quickly and his sanity back very quickly he acquired a couch (laughs) there's like a nice little couch setup that's covering up that outline of his body (laughs) of his naked body on the floor and buffy helps him sit down and they're standing really close to each other and angel saying how did you get away it's late and she says oh i started a fire in the prison laundry room then i rode out the garbage truck And Angel's like, oh? And she's just like, I'm joking. No garbage. Smell me. And as she says, smell me, she walks toward him and his face is like directly in front of her chest. (laughs) And they're just staring at each other like deeply and longingly. And I was like, can we just let these two fuck each other? Like, it's just not fair. It's like truly a travesty that these two and with all their chemistry cannot get it on because that's what they really want to do right now and buffy feels this sexual tension so she goes and sits on the other side of the couch boo angel asks buffy how scott is and buffy says scott as in like who (laughs) and she's doing what we've been doing for the last couple episodes we're just like who the fuck is scott i mean he served his purpose we don't need to remember him yeah i I like how angel is trying to express interest in her human life yeah because he's a tai chi gentleman (laughs) so she just Buffy just doesn't want to get into it so she's just like yeah he's fine <laughs> even though like he's not in the picture this is easier it's just easier to be like yeah I have a boyfriend that's why we can't touch each other so she points at the paper bag which is obviously fresh from the butcher um Angel doesn't drink the blood in front of her that's also nice of him he says <laughs> okay this part 
Kara. I was howling. Yeah. He says, uh, he asks her if she's being careful. And Buffy says, with Scott? That's <laughs> 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 it's good writing. It's really good writing. And he's just like, the slaying. <laughs> like, I don't want to know if you're boning Scott. And Buffy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, full of carefulness. And he says he worries about her. And she says, I worry about you. And he says, I'm getting stronger. So pretty soon. And she says, pretty soon you won't even need me. And he says, that'll be better. And she says, yeah. And they both look really hurt by that. Because it's clear, like, come mm. come on. They they want to do each other, A. B, they just, they express mm-hmm. that they're worried about each other. And you're right. Like, Angel's trying to, like, see, like, oh, how's everything going in your life? Like, they care. They care deeply about each other. And it hurts so bad that they know they can't be together. <laughs> uh, so we, anyway, that was... Our thirsty scene for the episode. I guess we can wrap it up here. Carl will take over. <laughs> sure. Um, so Buffy does eventually pry herself away from her sweaty not boyfriend. And um, <clears throat> she goes back home. And her mom's there. And Buffy's like, oh, you know, sorry I'm so late. Giles put so much pressure on me to keep slaying. Lies. And then Giles comes into the living room. And that's when you have that moment of like, oh, oops. Busted. Like Buffy knows she's been busted. Yeah, exactly. Um, And they both have like chocolate bars that they're eating (laughs) as they dress down Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. They're like stress eating the chocolate. (laughs) So Buffy's trying to play, you know, keep her cool, play it off. And Joyce is like, you lied to us. Like very disappointed face. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you're playing us against each other. And that's not fair. And Giles just lays it on even further. He's like, I called Willow. You know, it's like you lied to Willow about where you were going to be a two and what's going on. So they're all concerned for Buffy. Yeah. And Joyce is like, do you want some chocolate, Mr. Giles? (laughs) And so he takes chocolate from her. So they're eating this chocolate. And um, Buffy is like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, again, Buffy really doesn't want to talk about it. She walks into away from the entrance into the living room and Joyce and Giles follow her. Joyce thinks Buffy has just been living it up at the bronze, right? Mm-hmm. Because why would she suspect that Buffy's boyfriend has come back from a hell dimension? And doing Tai Chi. And Buffy kind of dodges the question. She's just like, stop treating me like a child. You know, you both schedule me 24 hours a day. And she says, between the two of you, that's 48 hours. <laughs> she says, I just want to make a few decisions on my own. Um, and Joyce, of course, doesn't like that because she's in hyperactive parent mode. And she's saying, oh, you know, like last time you made a decision on your own. You split. And Buffy does not like this conversation at all. Meanwhile, Giles is just kind of standing there eating his candy bar. He's leaning casually against one arm of the couch. He pipes in. He's like, Buffy, I know I'm not your parent, but I am responsible for you. And I think your mom's right. Mm -hmm. And at this point, like, they're not acting quite out of character, but there's something a little bit off with how they're speaking which becomes more important, of course, as the episode goes on. Mm -hmm. And Buffy's basically saying, like, you can't babysit me all the time. Like, I need you to back off. And Giles tries to, you know, make the peace, say, don't freak out. (laughs) (laughs) We're all tired. And so Buffy, like, takes that opportunity. She leaves. She goes to bed. Joyce is like, ugh, she just drives me crazy. And then she sits next to Giles on the couch. um, And they have a little bit of a heart-to-heart, right? And then as they're talking about the difficulty of children and being good parents, 
Giles pulls a chocolate bar out of his coat. So he accepted a chocolate bar from Joyce. Yep. Now he's just Ate got it. one chilling in his coat. He pulls it out. Uh, he has a piece and then he offers it to Joyce. So they're eating a lot of candy at this point. Yeah. And in case you're wondering, is there perhaps something going on with this candy? The show wastes no time because the next scene <laughs> is a factory where this candy is being produced. So not only, Steph, is this candy suspicious, but it's locally made. Yeah. You know, so good for them. Mm. At least they didn't outsource it to like an evil company somewhere else. <laughs> and so this factory worker is um, about to like eat a candy bar off the assembly line, which he's not even sneaky about it. Like no. if I were on that assembly line, I would just take the candy bar and like put it in my pocket Go or something and eat it on my break time. Yeah. Yeah. Like why would you eat it right in front of everybody? That's just... <laughs> stupid <laughs> so this guy comes out and stops the the worker from eating the candy bar and it is our old friend ethan rain <sighs> ethan rain i really love that ethan's in this episode because this is the sixth episode of season three and he was in the sixth episode of season two halloween yeah. And I'm assuming this episode came out around Halloween as well. Yeah, this feels like the Halloween-y episode. I don't think we have a, a Halloween episode per se in this season. Yeah, so this is this is it. And Ethan is pure chaos, right? So I really love that it's him. Was and, and I like how out. he's like, you really, like, trust me, you don't want to eat that. So he's warning <laughs> this guy off eating this tainted candy or whatever, which... I'm assuming he does that because if, if everybody, if all the workers sample the goods, then they're not going to be any good to him anymore. Yeah. It's not like he actually cares about this guy. Um, so something's going on with this candy. It's still not like 100% clear what it's doing to people, but it's having some kind of effect. Yeah, we cut to the science lab the next day. Cordelia and Buffy are at a table and behind them are Willow and Xander. And Cordelia's pissed because Giles is late. She says that there's a secret rule that if a teacher is more than 10 minutes late, we can all leave. Is that true, Kara? Because I feel like I've no, I've heard that rumor as well. Yeah, I've heard, I heard that all through high school. Yeah. And I just... No one tested it. <laughs> Certainly not me. I, as a teacher, I don't know of that secret rule because it would be great if I got to leave early, but no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Cordelia, <laughs> Cordelia says that Giles is wound tight. She had a philosophy book checked out of the library for a year and he made her pay for it. He made her pay the fine, even though it was huge. And she was really sad to give it back. It was perfect for starting conversations with college boys. <laughs> Everything about her dialogue is perfect. And Cordelia, don't ever change. I know. And then she says, of course, that was bx and buffy's like bx and then she's like oh before xander <laughs> so <sighs> willow and xander are talking about they wish how they wish they had more chocolate and again they're at the table behind cordy and buffy and they're saying how all the chocolate bars are selling out fast but during this conversation these two motherfuckers are playing footsie underneath their desk they're, they're just rubbing each other's feet. They're cheating on Cordelia right behind her. And it's disgusting. And I like, you know what? In the last episode, I went on a tangent. I went on a rant, let's say, about Xander and Willow and how I don't like this dynamic. But I was also willing to be like, you know what? People make mistakes. They're young. Fine. But now it's like mm -hmm. this is episode two of this behavior. You're clearly <laughs> continuing it. Now it's an affair. Fuck you. And I'm used to saying fuck you to Xander, but not to Willow, but a to Willow, because you should not be... Ugh. The very idea that you're touching Xander at all. But ugh. what about Oz? <laughs> what about Cordelia? 
Well, okay. and Willow knows it's wrong because otherwise she'd be talking to Buffy about it, right? Like they used to talk about everything and Willow would talk to Buffy about her feelings for Xander back in the day. The fact that she's not talking to Buffy shows that she knows that this is shameful and that she would be judged for it. Extra shameful because it's Xander, you know, like, like that's the most shameful aspect of this. And Cordelia turns around and says, I can't believe this. And they both pull away, like jerk away from each other so abruptly that it shakes like the desk. But of course, Cordelia doesn't notice because she's saying, where is Giles? I'm bored and he's not here to give me credit for it. <laughs> so... Outside the classroom, Snyder is talking to this older woman and he's calling Giles a pinhead and saying he didn't show up and he doesn't want to do it. So you do it <laughs> like to the woman. And the woman's like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And she goes inside the classroom. And as Snyder walks away, he's saying, everyone expects me to do everything around here because I'm the principal. It's not fair. <laughs> so I want to say that this old lady who... Xander refers to as Miss Barton. She is me. Like, this is me. <laughs> this is, this is I, I'm like, I, I you know, you, you can relate to a lot of characters in this show, but I'm her. You're, you're an ornery white woman. <laughs> is that what you're saying, Stephanie? An ornery old white woman. She walks into this classroom and she's just like, like clapping her hands and she's like that's like a great impression of me when i taught english in china you know just <laughs> fuck up and she's like we're all stuck here okay so just sit quietly and pretend we're reading something until we're really sure that old commandant snyder's gone then we're all out of here and i was like i love it i love how sassy and xander that's when he's like does anyone else want to marry miss barton and cordelia's like get in line <laughs> So that's when Willow's like, I guess Giles isn't coming. And Buffy looks really concerned. So I guess mm -hmm. they did get to leave school early because Buffy runs to Giles' house and she goes right on in. And he's there. He's looking at records and his glasses are not on, I'll add. And Buffy says, hey, I was worried. You were a big not there in study hall. And after your lecture to me on not ducking out. And why is my mother here? <laughs> because as she's talking... <laughs> The camera's panning slowly from Giles in the corner to Buffy at the door, and it goes further and further out. And then we see Joyce is indeed sitting on Giles's couch. And Giles says, oh, we had an opportunity for a summit meeting, so to speak. It took priority over study hall. And so Joyce says that Buffy made a really good point earlier that we were overscheduling you. And then Giles says, yeah, we were, you know, pulling you in two directions, your home life, your duties as a slayer. So <laughs> they listened to her. So fine. And Buffy is like, yes, that was a good point. But she's like, clearly very confused. And Joyce says that, you know, we were working out a coordinated schedule for you. And Giles says, it'll be tight, but we think we can fit in all of your opportunities. And Buffy says, okay, that sounds nice and structured. <laughs> And Joyce says, well, we have more work to do here, honey. So why don't you give us more time? Here, take the car. Mr. Giles will drive me home. And Buffy's like, what? Excuse me, but I meant what? And Joyce is just like, keys, take them. And Buffy is like, you don't have to tell me twice, even though you just did. But then she just grabs the keys and she's like, bye. And she just leaves with them. Doesn't think that this is weird. She's just like an opportunity to drive, right? So she just takes the keys and goes. And Joyce is like, bye, honey, be careful. And as Buffy closes the door, Joyce turns to Giles and she's like, do you think she noticed anything? 
and Giles is turning around. He is smoking a cigarette and he's like, no way. And Joyce pulls out alcohol from behind the couch and starts unscrewing the cap. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, this yes, is, yes. It's a strange scene. It's so funny. <laughs> I just love this dynamic. I love how Giles and Joyce are like progressively getting more and more immature. That, that's what I like about the episode is it's not like the sudden thing. It's like, we get all these little hints at what's going on. Yeah. So for anybody who hasn't seen the episode before, you really kind of get to sort of piece it together for yourself. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> once you figure out what's going on, it's so enjoyable to just watch all of these characters acting out of character. Yeah. And it's like, I'm curious to know how many bars of chocolate each of them have consumed to get to this point in their mm, good question <laughs> in their slow regression to childhood. So. Buffy is driving in Willow's car, and we all understand just from the way she drives why she failed the test and, like, why she shouldn't be allowed to drive. And yeah. she's she's wild. She's a wild woman. She reminds me of, um, from Clueless. Cher. You know how Cher drives? <laughs> yeah. yeah. When they want to practice parallel parking, and she's like, why? Everywhere you go has valet. <laughs> so, so brilliant. Uh, yeah, Buffy's telling Willow that she told her mom she wanted to be treated more like a grown-up, and voila, driviness. <laughs> and this episode is actually the first time I started hearing more of that Buffy speak, right? That's when they use, like, the ness mm. in, in, on these words, and they have an interesting way of speaking um, that's very specific to the show. This is the first time I'm, like, really catching a lot of it. And Buffy has a really super dangerous turn, and Bu Willow looks so terrified. And Buffy's saying, uh, she's like, I also think she wanted me elsewhere because... Considering her and Giles are planning her future, it's easier to live her life when she's not actually there. <laughs> Ooh, that's an interesting comment, right? It is very it's interesting. Because like Joyce and Giles would both maybe prefer Buffy to be different from what she actually is. It's always easier to have this ideal version of somebody than the actual person, right? Yeah, it's true. So like planning around somebody who they think she should be, you know, and not letting Buffy be part of that conversation. Let's not forget that Buffy took care of herself for like three or four months there. She got a job. She got an apartment. She had, she had a whole thing going on in LA. Yeah. So like that's that's notable. Uh, Willow points out that Buffy has the parking brake on. <laughs> so basically the SATs are tomorrow and Buffy says they can study at the bronze, a little dancing, a little cross multiplying. And as they drive to the bronze, we cut back to Giles's place. And I love this scene because Giles is just lying on his back smoking. And I think it should have been weed. Like, I think they should have been smoking weed, but they probably couldn't get that past the censors. So they're just smoking cigarettes, I think. But Joyce is sitting next to him, uh, looking at his albums. And they're listening to music. And Joyce is saying, you have good albums. And he's like, yeah, they're okay. And she says, do you like Seals and Croft? And like, he completely ignores her at that. And she's just like, yeah, me neither. And I just love this characterization because Giles is like so clearly cool. Like, you know, like, yeah, I, I don't really particularly like anything. I'm just like too cool to like to be into stuff. But I still have all these albums. And Joyce wants mm. his approval so bad. Like she wants him to say she's cool too. But <laughs> he's not going to. Well, and, and we're seeing like present day Giles has all these albums, right? He doesn't just have like the stuffy classical music and stuff. Clearly, there's a part of current Giles who still enjoys those aspects of his youth. Yeah, and that, that when as soon as he started to regress into his youthful personality, he was going through the albums again. He probably hasn't done that in a while. So 
Giles hands Joyce a cigarette and she says, how come they call you Ripper? And he's like, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then he says, wait a minute, listen to this bit. And then like as the beat drops, he's just like, yeah, <laughs> like rocking out. And I have never wanted him more. He, he gets up. Well, you know what? I'm not like um a bad boy kind of girl but i do think that he's super sexy and this like chilled out like the characterization change that anthony stewart head is doing here is like so subtle but good like it's still giles but he's a youthful teen and it's it's awesome and he starts messing up his hair and he's like man i gotta get a band together and joyce is like hey ripper do you want to watch tv i know how to order pay-per-view <laughs> and joyce is like no no let's go out let's have some fun let's tear things up a bit and Joyce is like, okay, we could go to the bronze. And Giles is like, not bloody likely. That place is dead. But then we cut to the bronze and it is finally an appropriate bar for adults. Like it's no longer the children's bar. And adults are getting rowdy and they're drinking because you can drink at this bar, right? Like we've talked about the bronze for so long now. And it's just, it's just mind boggling what goes on at this place. It's very confusing. Again, it's like, did the adults just suddenly show up? Did they displace all the kids who are normally here? Did the bronze management see all the adults showing up and like take the alcohol out from a different box? Like, <laughs> It's so true. And it's, you know, it's funny because like in this scene, uh, has like when they're in the bronze it has the best jokes of the episode where they're talking about the adults <laughs> being young like willow and and buffy are entering and oz is happy to see willow because you know oz still thinks that he deserves willow but he deserves so much more and um they're shocked and buffy says let's do the time warp again and willow says maybe there's a reunion in town or a billy joel tour <laughs> that made me laugh so much and that's when Buffy sees Miss Barton, a.k.a. Stephanie Chow, with her blue cup. And she's wasted at the bronze. And she's like, Will, that's a tree. Haha, <laughs> you're a tree. Are there any nachos in here, little tree? <laughs> and Buffy asks if maybe Miss Barton needs some fresh air. And she just says, okay, and leaves. And Willow says this is not normal. And that's when Principal Snyder comes up behind them, puts his arms around them, and says... Hey, gang, <laughs> this place is fun city, huh? <laughs> and he's like so hyped up. Just call me Snyder. Just the last name, like Barbarino. Ooh, I'm so stoked. <laughs> and then he's like, did you see Miss Barton? I think she's wasted. I'm going to have to put that on her next performance review because I'm the principal. And he laughs and he runs away. Oh, amazing. And Willow says, I don't like this. They could all have heart attacks. <laughs> And Buffy says, maybe there's a doctor here. And sure enough, a boomer is on stage, shirtless, and he's like, woo, woo, woo. And he, Willow's like, I think that is my doctor. And this guy, oh, he's just topless, and he just dives off the stage onto the floor. <laughs> and Snyder comes back and says, uh, he's talking, he's like bragging about how he met the mayor one time, and he shook the mayor's hand twice. And then as these women walk by, Snyder's just like, there are some foxy ladies here tonight, and runs after them. Chaos. Chaos. So Buffy and Willow are just wondering, like, what's happening to the grown-ups? And Buffy says they're acting like a bunch of us. And Willow's like, I don't <laughs> act like this. <laughs> so this it. is where I need to ask, because... Um, I'm a very straight edge person. Mm. I don't drink. I don't do recreational drugs. Nothing against that kind of thing. Just not my thing. Yep. 
So I don't know what it's like to be drunk or high or whatever. So I, I just have to ask, is this what it's like to be high? Like, are they acting like how actual wasted people would act? Or is this like very over the top? What I like about this is it is very authentic to how young teenagers act when they're drunk, right? Like, okay. because I think when you get older and you get drunk and you're used to it, you can definitely control and like you, you, people get out of mm-hmm. control for sure. But like, you don't need to be so extra about it. But when you're young, like 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, like around that age and you're first starting to drink and you're at a party, you think that you have to act it up. And you're mm. like, you know, like crawling on the ground or you're falling over on purpose and you're trying to be funny and you're trying to be that person and you're trying to get attention and you feel like all your inhibitions are gone. So you are allowed to jump off the stage naked or you can chase those those women and talk to them however you want because you're drunk and it doesn't matter, right? Hopefully most people as they get older kind of grow out of that and they're just like, yeah, I'm drunk, but I'm still me. But uh, for sure, a young person getting drunk, this is a really good depiction of it. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. Ethan is showing Mr. Trick around the chocolate factory. You know, the Ethan Rain is the Willy Wonka of Sunnydale. And Mr. Trick is saying, demands hot. That's why I love this country. You make a good product and the people will come to you. Of course, a lot of them are going to die, but that's another reason I love this country. And this kind of made me mad because he goes to a worker and he says, hey, don't sample the product. And the man says, I didn't. And Mr. Trick snaps his neck. Ooh, and I hated that. But what I didn't like about it was I was like, he should have killed the worker that was going to eat the chocolate before. Right. (laughs) That would have made more sense. Um, Ethan is like, how did you know? And Mr. Trick is like, I didn't. But now I know no one else will. So he tells Ethan that they're getting close. Keep it flowing. It's almost feeding time. So we cut back to the bronze. Oz, Willow, and Buffy are taking it all in. And they're like wondering if maybe a spell has changed all the adults. And Oz is saying, they're teenagers. This is a sobering mirror to look into, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And Snyder walks by them and says that Oz has great hair. And a group of drunk men are starting karaoke on the stage. And I loved this. This is actually pretty authentic to what I would do if I was drunk. And they're just like, (laughs) Louie, Louie. And they're just like singing terribly and willow is saying it just gets more upsetting (laughs) and then these two boomers are making out on the dance floor and buffy is looking at them and saying no vampire has ever been that scary (laughs) and then two people start fighting and snyder's like "Ooh, fight and as they decide to leave buffy oz and willow are saying like this has hellmouth fingerprints all over it and we notice as the audience and they it shows that all the adults are still eating those chocolate bars they're, they're everywhere and mm-hmm. as they get into buffy's car which i'll note is parked directly in front of the bronze store <laughs> and that's just allowed i guess because she's a slayer and um they're saying they need to find giles and buffy is saying for all we know, he's sweet 16 again. And Willow's saying, well, he's with your mom at his place. So we have to go there. And Snyder gets into the car and he's like, wait up, guys. <laughs> he's like going to come, I guess. And Buffy says, no time. He's coming with us. And she drives off. And Snyder says something that's, um, he says, whoa, Summers, you drive like a spaz. And this is something that um, I wanted to point out because spaz is a navalist mm-hmm. term now. And yes. I mean, it always was. But sometimes it's part of your learning. It's part of your Mm -hmm. growing to understand that like words like spaz and lame and all those phrases um, are not appropriate. And 
I wanted to point it out for anyone else who is trying to expand that understanding as I am. When he said this, I think it used to be a really funny quote to me whenever I'd watch this episode. But now I'm like, oh, okay, it's not appropriate anymore. Well, because the tone is very humorous, right? Like his comment is humorous. You know, it's Snyder. He's normally so orderly, but now he's like hitching this ride with Buffy. So everything about it is funny except for the use of that ableist word. So I agree. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. So on the streets of Sunnydale, two adults are eating candy and they're revving their engines because they're going to drag race. And the mailman is, you know, sitting in a park reading all of the mail. And adults are playing frisbee and making out and chasing each other. And uh, in the car, Oz is saying, well... Giles, even if it, even if Giles is 16, he's still Giles, right? He's probably a pretty together guy. And Buffy points out <laughs> that we learned in the Dark Age in season two that Giles at 16 is less together guy and more bad magic hates the world ticking time bomb guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And Oz says, well, then I guess your mom's in a lot of trouble. And Buffy's eyes widen because she's like, oh God. So... We cut to Giles and Joyce, who are walking the streets of Sunnydale near that cool coffee shop that was introduced this season. And his arms around her shoulders, and she's just, like, chatting away. And he's, like, not particularly listening, but, like, cool guys, you know, he listens just enough to be like, "Uh uh-huh, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she's just saying, oh, it must be exciting being from England. And she's like, I feel really special. I feel like I'm kind of waking up, you know, like, getting married and having a kid and everything was just a dream. And now things are back like they're supposed to. And I have to ask you, I have to ask you, Kara, do you think that Joyce as a teenager is similar to Buffy in any way? Probably. You know, I we don't know too much about Joyce's childhood and where she grew up. But if she grew up, you know, in the Valley or in Los Angeles, like the movie gives us this impression that Joyce is a, like she came from some privilege, right? Like she's used to having a bit of a, a privileged life. So possibly. I like how when they're showing how they're speaking more youthful, like Joyce is speaking a lot more softly, like with less force and I guess aggression Mm -hmm. in the way that she's parenting. Um, So I wonder if Kristen Sutherland studied Sarah Michelle Gellar as Buffy for a little bit just to see if she could get some Mm. of that same kind of like interesting tone. yeah I don't, okay. I don't know i'd have to rewatch it again to really think about it but just you know something to think about and i think i'll point out here too that um in this scene giles has a toothpick in his mouth and casey sent us a hot stakes where she said one of my all-time favorite episodes is band candy because she remembers feeling something when anthony stewart had uh, had a toothpick in his mouth as a ripper and she's like, I hope my mind isn't recreating history. And it is not. Uh, that is super hot that he's just like chewing on it during the scene. <laughs> uh, I'm with you, Casey. And um, the two of them walk by this shop and there's a mannequin wearing a coat in there. And she's like, that's cool. Very Juice Newton. <laughs> and I laugh because I don't know who that is. I don't know what Juice Newton is. I didn't mm. look it up. But it's, I like the way she delivered that line. And Giles is like fixing his hair in the reflection and smoking and got his toothpick. He's so cool. And he's like, do you fancy it? And she's like, yeah, but the store is closed. And Giles just picks up a trash can and breaks the window. And he jumps in, grabs the coat and a hat and comes out. And (laughs) he's putting the coat on Joyce. And she's like, Ripper, wow, that was so brave. (laughs) (laughs) So brilliant, brilliant, brilliant delivery. And (laughs) a cop 
comes out of nowhere, an old man cop, and he points a gun at Giles and he says, hold it. And that's when we cut to um, the Scoobies and Snyder driving. And Snyder is like, this is great. Let's do donuts at the football field, huh? (laughs) And a man who's trying to open a candy bar while he's driving his car drives straight into Buffy's car. This is the problem with distracted driving people. Yeah. I mean, back in the 90s, it was chocolate bars. And now it's cell phones. So just (laughs) cut back to Giles and Joyce. And Giles is like, ooh, Copper's got a gun. And he's walking toward the cop with his hands out. And he's like, you'll never use it, though, man. And the cop says, well, so. And Giles manages to push the gun out of the way, headbutts the cop, and, like, beats him up and takes his gun. And he looks at Joyce, and he's like, told you he'd never use it. And Joyce is like, you are so cool. You're like Burt Reynolds. (laughs) And, oh, some girls get it all, I guess, because Giles pushes joyce up against the cop car she removes her gum (laughs) and they start to make out (laughs) it's awesome and i guess yeah god does have favorites and one of them is joyce summers so on the street buffy and oz and willow are assessing the car crash and and the other guy from the car runs away and snyder's telling buffy that her mom's gonna kill her (laughs) And Buffy is looking at all the adults on the street and um, in the park, and she's like, something's weird. There's no grown-ups now, so no one's protecting their houses. Everyone's just wandering around defenseless. Soup's on, but no one's grabbing a spoon. Like, where are the vampires? And Oz says, something's happening someplace that's else. And Buffy's like, well, it must be something big. And then she realizes that it's the candy. Like, it's got to be cursed. It's the candy. And Snyder's like, <gasps> I've got a curse. (laughs) And Buffy grabs Snyder and forces him against the car, not in the same way that Giles did to Joyce, I'll add, because when you're describing it, you've got to be very clear. We don't need that image. (laughs) And she says, who's behind it? And Snyder says, I don't know what came from the school board. If you knew that crowd. (laughs) And he starts like trailing off. I really liked that line. And Buffy says, do you know where to get it? And Snyder nods. So Buffy says to Oz and Willow to get Xander and Cordelia, go to the library and look it up. And Oz says, candy curses? (laughs) And Willow's is like, disturbing second childhood. Got it. (laughs) And then they go. Buffy calls Snyder rat boy. And she's like, we're going to go to the source. I don't know when a good time to talk about Snyder as his childhood self is. But I kind of want to talk about it now because I think of all the adults that are pulling off their youth, I think Snyder is doing the best job. I know exactly who Snyder was in high school. I knew guys like that in high (laughs) school too. Just these guys that want to be popular so bad that maybe even want like just a basic friend so bad, but have zero understanding of how to get it, you know? He's like a slightly more, like a slightly more hyper Jonathan. Yes, yes, exactly. Like it's just, he doesn't have any of the charisma or ability to have. He's he's got that short guy energy. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and he wants to the approval of his peers, and he wants to appear attractive. He he wants, wants to, yeah, he just wants to be cool. Yeah. And he's going to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Even if it humiliates him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, it's, like, so clear and so wonderful. And just like Joyce, like, Joyce as a teenager, clearly, um, like, probably coming from privilege, probably in the Valley, just, like, really wants the cool guy to like her. I think a very typical kind of young girl. And then obviously Giles, who has a rebellion when he's in his teens and 
wants to lash out against authority, even though he eventually will become authority. So it's just really, really, really well mm. done for everybody here. Outside the factory, there's a bunch of adults that are trying to get free candy, and Buffy pulls up with Snyder, and this is a great shot. This is so good. So the camera pans from the people handing out chocolate bars to the crowd of people jumping for it at the door. It pans all the way across to Buffy pulling in her car, her and Snyder getting out, and then the camera pulls back, and Buffy is marching with intent toward the crowd because she's going to put a stop to this, and she passes this couple making out and rolls her eyes, and then she stops in horror because she realizes that the couple making out are Joyce and Giles, and she goes back to them and she's like, mom <laughs> I, do, I do enjoy it it's a very like smooth way that they do the whole scene yeah, yeah it's really really well done like the reveal like we already saw them making out we know it's them but buffy like takes it in and she tries to pull her mom away and giles is like go away we're busy and she pulls <laughs> she manages to pull her mom away and giles is like back off and buffy gets in giles's face and she's like Giles, think about this do you want to fight me or do you want to let me talk to my mother and giles backs off but really angrily and he lights another cigarette and she's like mom look at me do you know who i am and she's like of course you're buffy <laughs> they're giving away candy do you want some candy and buffy's like no i don't and you don't need any more either and joyce is like i'm fine i can have more if i want <laughs> and <laughs> buffy's like you're not fine you need to go home and here I kind of had to like point out like it's almost like they're getting younger and younger in the way that they're yeah, acting. I see that. Well, and it's the role reversal, right? Yeah. Buffy now has to be the responsible parent figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And just so when she's like, I can have it if I want. It's like that's more of like even like a preteen, like a younger kind of vibe at this point. And Joyce is like, screw you. I want candy. <laughs> and Buffy's like horrified. She's like, mom and Joyce is like you want to slay stuff and I'm not allowed to do anything about it well this is what I want to do so get off my back <laughs> oh Joyce and Giles is like for god's sakes just let your mom have the sodden candy <laughs> and um I apologize sodden candy will not roll off my tongue normally because it's just not a Canadian phrase that's a very British phrase and Buffy says, mom, look at your car. Okay, look at your car. Like she's trying to like wake her up. Look at the dent at the size of New Brunswick. She said New Brunswick. I was like, interesting. Can confirm the dent is the exact size of the actual province of New Brunswick. <laughs> and she's like, I did that. And Joyce is like, oh my God. What was I thinking when I bought the geek machine? <laughs> and her and Giles just laugh about it. And Buffy is like, oh my God, Giles, listen to me. And Giles is like, no, you listen to me. I'm your watcher, so you do what I tell you. Now, sod off. <laughs> and Buffy just takes Giles' cigarette and stomps on it. And she's like, take her home. And then she walks into the crowd. Joyce and Giles follow her. And Buffy does a couple of doos and goes up onto the steps. And we haven't seen her do these like unnecessary flips for a while, but it's nice to see. <laughs> and she she unnecessarily beats up the guy standing there. I'm pretty sure he's just like a human guy, but she like kicks the, kicks the shit out of him. She helps her mom up and Giles follows. And Snyder's like, hey, Britface, wait up. And he follows too and they're inside the factory and it's empty but ethan rain is on the phone and he's saying yeah i've been out there town's wide open you guys can go anytime so buffy says ethan rain and ethan's like I might want to hurry on the phone and then hangs up and giles is like ethan and ethan's like ripper 
And then he runs. <laughs> and Buffy and Giles chase him. And I will say at this point, they hop over this like crate, this like convection belt. Con- I don't know what it is. They jump over it and it's so hot that Giles jumps over it. I was like, wow, what a force to be reckoned <laughs> okay, with. Okay, da- down, <laughs> down, Steph. Um, but yeah, I, I like this. I, I, I like that of all the versions of Giles that Ethan could encounter, Giles regressed to his younger Ripper self is probably the worst for Ethan. So <laughs> things are not going to go well for Ethan. I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, I'll let you recover. You can keep fantasizing about Giles mm. hopping over things. Um, we're going to go back to the library <laughs> where Cordelia, Willow, and Oz are on research duty. And Cordelia is kind of discussing um, what she feels because this is all about her, right? She's like, oh, it was so fun at first. <laughs> Everybody seemed like they were in a really good mood, <laughs> not like parents. And then mom started borrowing my clothes. There should be an age limit on Lycra pants, <laughs> which I think is hilarious because that made me think of like how there's an older generation of women, like the Real Housewives and stuff, right? Who are wearing like really tight pants and things and fashion has moved on and you can wear Lycra pants no matter what age you are. Um... She also mentions her dad just locked himself in the bathroom with old copies of Esquire, which is is that supposed to imply he's just masturbating? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I, that, that went over my head a little bit, but that's what <laughs> I thought. It's a teenage boy kind and, of thing. Uh, <laughs> Xander, for what might be his, I don't know, best line of the episode, like you said, he's not in this episode that much, Yay. but he's like, I don't get it. The candy is supposed to make you feel immature and stuff, but I had a ton and I don't feel any different. And then he goes... Oh, never mind. Because <laughs> of course you wouldn't, Xander, because you're already immature AF. Exactly. And then, okay, you can close your ears for this part, Steph, because okay. you don't want to hear this part. Nope. But um, Willow passes Xander a book, and when they do, their thumbs touch, and it's just this electric spark, you know, and everybody wants to drop their pants and get on right away, but of course they're not going to. Um, and Cordelia, in this moment, says, you want to swap? <laughs> and Willow... For a moment, think she means boyfriends, right? Which, Willow, get your mind out of the gutter, dear. We have serious research Willow, to be doing. Willow, why would you ever want to switch Oz? Ever. Ever. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so Willow's like, what? Swap what? And Cordelia, who has her mind on the game, uh, says, do you want to change books? <laughs> um, because hers is really thick, and it's not in English, and Cordelia's not all about that, and I, I get you, girl. Yeah. Um, so we had our nice little library palette cleanser, but we got to go back to the factory. We got to go back to the chase sequence where Buffy is chasing Ethan and Giles is following and it's going to be pretty fun. But first, I think we need to talk about this factory. Yeah, I think we do. We definitely do. (laughs) There's so many boxes, so many hallways. That's a lot of candy. Like, can we, can we talk about this? Cause so what we know so far is that the mayor got Mr. Trick to hire Ethan to do something that would distract the adults of Sunnydale so that the mayor could get his tribute delivered to a demon, Mm -hmm. right? That's the plot. So the candy was meant to make the adults high and wasted so that they wouldn't be on guard for whatever it is the plot is. Mm -hmm. Why do you have so much candy? Like, you've achieved your goal. You just confirmed that on your telephone call. You still have... Like, are you going national with this? Like, what's your plan here, Ethan? Because you have too much candy. Yeah, seriously. It was supposed to be, like, one night. Like, one night. Why did it have to be distributed through the high school? 
there's just so many questions about and okay but we have to talk about logistics of this factory because it seems like they run through hallways of this factory like just like uh, floor to ceiling boxes of chocolate well i think it's one big warehouse right yeah and it's just the boxes have been stacked in such a way to create a convenient pursuit maze <laughs> Yeah, they make a nice maze for this particular scene. Uh, it's like Ethan knew. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, like, why they would need this much chocolate. And what happens to the chocolate later? Like, no, <laughs> we'll never know. Um, but the thing is, it's funny because, like, he manages to lose them amongst the chocolate boxes. It's like, yeah, so I think he did design the warehouse so that he could escape. It's his escape maze. Yeah. He always has a plan. <laughs> He's really smart that way. So Buffy and Giles lose him and Giles is like panting and she's like, that's what smoking will do to you. Now be quiet. And Buffy demonstrates the skills that she's already shown that she knows earlier in the episode. And she just listens and she hears somehow Ethan crawled into a crate <laughs> and hid. And <laughs> Buffy just breaks open the crate and he's there and she says, oh, look, a box full of farm fresh chicken. <laughs> such a good line and we cut to joyce and snyder who are eating chocolate on a conveyor belt and like waiting for them to get back and joyce is like she's just wondering if they're okay like i hope they're okay and snyder's like so are you two kind of like going steady (laughs) and joyce just rolls her eyes and walks away and snyder sighs because poor snyder you're never gonna get laid and buffy is asking ethan what they're playing they're in a talk or bleed situation your call and giles is so hyped up he's like hit him he's just in the background and it's hilarious pacing and I, yeah. I think anthony like you said this earlier right but like anthony stewart had and armin scheimerman and christine sutherland like they're having so much fun playing this version of their characters oh, yeah. and it's so obvious from the just it comes through and they're acting and i love it yeah because like who wants to be the parental authority figure all the time you want to cut loose <laughs> so ethan's saying i want to point out that this isn't this wasn't my idea like i'm subcontracted it's it's trick you want i'm helping him collect tribute for a demon and giles is like he's lying hit him <laughs> and buffy is like i don't think he is and shut up and giles is like you're my slayer go knock his teeth down and she's like what demon? And Ethan says, I don't remember. And Buffy punches him in the face and Giles jumps up. He's like, yes. And he like jumps. It's like so awesome. And Ethan says, Laconis, that's the demon's name. And they wanted a way to get the tribute away from the people. And Buffy says, so you're just the diversion guy. And he's like, more than a diversion. They said that the tribute was big, so big that people would never let them take it. So people had to be out of it. And later on, when the candy wore off, they'd blame themselves. Um, Ethan, buddy, I hate to break it to you. That, that's literally what a diversion is. You're just a diversion. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, no, no. There's, a, there's a way more to it than this. Way more complicated. There's, a, there's <laughs> a maze and a chocolate factory that I need to put together. It's not just a diversion. <laughs> years and years of planning. Um, Buffy says, where's Trick? And Ethan's like, I don't know. And Jazz is like, hit him again. And Ethan's like, I really, I really don't know. Like, like delivering the tribute somewhere. And Buffy says, this brings us to the bonus question. And believe me when I say a wrong answer will cost you all your points. And Giles looks so excited. And she's like, what's the tribute? And that's when we cut to four vampires walking straight into the hospital. The nurse is watching TV, not paying attention. 
the phone is ringing. She didn't give a shit. And they walk into the nursery and they take four crying babies. And I was like, whoa, that's so dark. I don't think we've ever had this is, baby murder Yeah, before. this is a good example of showing versus telling, you know? So how much more powerful is the scene this way instead of having Ethan tell us, oh, it's babies, and then cutting to the babies being taken, we don't hear Ethan's answer. We just see the answer, and that is the power of television. Yeah, and dark television, too. Like, this is like, oh my gosh, like, they're taking babies from the hospital. So Buffy's on the phone with Willow, and she's telling them about Laconis and that it requires a tribute. And Snyder is, like, standing next to Ethan, and he's like, she whooped you good, huh? Pow, pow! <laughs> he's, like, punching the air. He's like, I took Taekwondo at the Y. And he's doing it, tr- clearly trying to impress Joyce. And as she's talking, Ethan grabs a crowbar, and he goes to knock Buffy out. But Giles holds the gun to his head, and Buffy hits Ethan over the head with the phone. And she's like, Giles, give me the gun! And Giles does, and Joyce is, like, uh, on the phone with Willow, and she's like, it's Willow, she wants you real bad. <laughs> and Willow says that Oz found it. Like, boom, took two seconds, Oz found Laconis, and they say that the tribute to Laconis is made every 30 years. It's a ritual feeding. This one's late, so it's probably going to be a big meal. And, oh, Laconis eats babies. So Buffy hangs up. And says, come on. And Joyce says, what about that man? And Buffy looks at Ethan and she says, she says, we have to find something to tie him up. Joyce just like, she's like, um, and she grins and she pulls out handcuffs from her pockets. And Buffy stares at it for like a second. Like, this is good comedic timing. She looks at it for a second and then she's just like, never tell me. <laughs> like, takes the handcuffs. So funny. So we cut to the hospital and Giles is talking to the nurse and she's just like, I don't know where they are. It's not my fault. Like, you know, freaking out. And Joyce is really sad that the babies are going to get eaten. And Giles calls the nurse a dozy cow. <laughs> and he's like, so, so let's do something. Let's, let's find the demon and kick the crap out of it. And Buffy's like, yeah, but we need to know where they are. And Giles starts saying, the conus dwells beneath the city filth to filth. And Buffy's like, what? And Giles is like, oh, oh, I know this. Oh, oh, I knew this. He remembers that Lurconus means glutton and that they'll find him in the sewers. Just the sewers, you know, no specific location. So vague. <laughs> not, it's not like Sunnydale has a whole city of sewers underneath it, but, well, you know, right? the sewers. And Snyder says, okay, you guys go with the demon and I'll stay here in case the babies find their way back. And Giles gets up in, in Snyder's face and says, you filthy little ponce. Are you afraid of a little demon? And Snyder's like, if you want to splash around in the poo, then you're the filthy one. And Buffy gets in their way. She's just like, listen, I need help. I need grownups. These children are going to die if we don't act now and think clearly. There's no room for mistakes. Besides, you guys are freaking me out. And Giles is like, sorry. Joy says they'll behave. Buffy sends Snyder home, and then her, Giles, and Joyce are going to go to the sewers. But of course, Joyce and Giles start making out again, and she's just like, don't do that, and <laughs> leaves. Buffy's at the end of her rope. So, yeah, they specifically go right where they need to go, because in the sewers, the vampires are all chanting in Latin, and the babies are crying, <laughs> and Mr. Trick and the mayor are there, and the mayor's on the phone. <laughs> Which, like, he's getting, like, that's really good reception to get in in the late 90s, getting cell phone reception in the sewers. Like, wow. I know. And Mr. Trick is impatient. He's like, come on, big guy. They're not getting any fresher because he's waiting for the demon to come. And 
what I like about the mayor, because the mayor is on the phone with someone named Carol, and he's saying, <laughs> Carol, call Dave on the Public Works Committee tomorrow about sewer maintenance and repair. I have some concerns regarding exposed gas pipes, infrastructure, ventilation, and cancel my three o'clock. So it's clearly he's on the phone with his assistant. And I just love the mayor because it's just so funny because it's it, like he's doing this demon tribute. He's literally offering up fresh babies to a demon, but he also seems to care a lot about the sewer and the infrastructure and how to make the city better yeah he's a complex character this mayor i like it i like it a lot and um that's when buffy giles and choice jump down because buffy knew exactly where the sewers were and buffy says hi and you notice here the mayor takes off like i don't know if buffy saw him i think he she he just took off no i i he didn't like that i remember i'm watching this and i'm like oh is this where she finds out but no of course because he he books it right away. He knows. Because the, the whole thing about this season, you know, the mayor is kind of like the master in that he's got all these minions doing his dirty work. But the difference was with season one, Buffy always knew that the big bad was the master. Yeah. In this season, we don't, like, the characters don't learn who the big bad is until relatively late in the season. Mm-hmm. And really, we just have to face off these proxies and minions like Mr. Trick, which I think is a fun twist and and a fun way of discussing it so good job yeah really good job uh so buffy starts fighting the vampires joyce and giles wheel the babies away mr trick is just watching as buffy stakes two of the vamps and she kicks another one into the pool of water and there's this rumbling and the vampire is trying to crawl out of this pool and that's when a giant snake who's probably makita's brother from (laughs) the frat house cousin maybe i mean there's no humanoid part of this snake demon, but yeah, this is this is not the first time we've seen a demon slide out of a hole. So <laughs> snaky demon and eats the vamp, and uh, Buffy says, like, "Oh, that's Lurconus." I'm thinking. Mister Trick says to Buffy, "Ordinarily, I let other people do the fighting for me, but I gotta see what you got." And Buffy's like, "Just tell me when it hurts." And Mister Trick says, "Come on, baby." And before they can start fighting. Giles runs up and punches Mr. Trick in the face. And Mr. Trick, of course, throws Giles into this pool and the rumbling starts again. And I was like, how hard is it to just get out of the pool? But like <laughs> Giles and this vamp right? just can't. To be fair, Giles is under the influence. <laughs> true, true, true. So Giles manages to like crawl out as Makita's cousin comes out. And Buffy grabs this gas pipe from up top and lights it on fire using a torch and just lights Laconus's ass up and i think it dies <laughs> yeah she, well yeah she kills the demon yeah. and you know I, I i think buffy's new middle name it's buffy kill it with fire summers <laughs> i love it it's powerful and <laughs> mr trick is at the sewer opening at the top and he says you and me girl there's hard times ahead and goes and buffy like looks so disappointed and she's like they never just leave always gotta say something (laughs) so many good lines in this episode i love that line and joyce is asking buffy she's like can i go home now and buffy's like yeah i've got the sats tomorrow and joyce is like blow them off i'll write you a note (laughs) and then they go and they go to take the babies back to the hospital presumably and we cut to the mayor's office and he's pissed at mr trick he's like what about like the mr rain like what about the subcontractor and mr trick is like i paid him because the man did his job and there's no reason to burn that bridge and true it's smart business and the mayor says well this didn't turn out the way i planned 
And Mr. Trick says, where's the downside? You just got yourself one less demon you have to pay tribute to. The way I see it, I did you a favor. And the mayor says, you know what? I guess you did. But then he grabs Mr. Trick's shoulders from behind. And he says, in the future, I'd be very careful how many favors you do for me. And I was like, ooh, the threat, the threat. It's not like he delivered that harshly, but he didn't have to. Well, well he kills with kindness, right? Yeah. Like he's putting Mr. Trick on notice. Ooh. And again, you know, to compare his managing style to the master, mm -hmm. the master was all bluster um, until he executed you. But the mayor is more like more subtle and more dangerous. And I like it. Okay, so in the halls of high school, Xander is saying, hey, Snyder, because Snyder's walking up to him. He's like, heard you had fun Friday night. Have you come down yet? Okay, what day is this? Because if it was Friday night, then this is Saturday. Do the SATs happen on Saturday? They happen on the weekend? I'm confused. It's, uh, yeah. And well, and if everybody was like hung over or whatever, what happened to the SATs? And what happened to all the candy? <laughs> like, that was a lot of candy in that factory. What, what happened to it? Did they dispose of it safely? What happened to Ethan? What do they do? Yeah. What do they do with Ethan? <laughs> okay. This episode, like, it's it, this is a great episode, yeah. but it does leave so many questions. <laughs> Lots of questions going on. Um, yeah, so anyway, basically the Snyder just makes the four of them, Cordy, Xander, Willow, and Oz, clean up the spray paint that's on the lockers. It's so unfair. And on the lockers, someone spray painted Kiss Rocks. And Willow's like, Kiss Rocks? Why would anyone want to? Oh, I get it. <laughs> so cut to outside. Buffy is talking to Giles and saying things like, like, it was just too much to deal with. It was like nothing made sense anymore. The things that I thought I understood were gone. I just felt so alone. And of course, we think she's talking about the night before. But Giles is like, was that the math or the verbal? And Buffy is like, mostly the so math. So they did do the SATs on a Saturday, which sucks. Yeah, so weird. Why would it be on a Saturday? I don't know. Someone from the States let us know why it would be on a Saturday. So Giles says, if you scored low, you can always take them again. And Buffy says, is there even a point? I could die before I even apply to college. <sighs> a very casual joke from someone who actually cares a lot about that, you know? And... Giles also didn't take that very lightly. And he just says, then it is very possible that you might have to or whatever. And Buffy says, let's just keep hope alive. So Joyce is standing by her car and they go and greet her. Giles is saying, your car seems to have had an adventure. <laughs> and Joyce is like, oh, Buffy assures me that it happened battling evil. So I'm letting her pay for it on the installment plan. What? <laughs> Why would you make Buffy pay for that? Joyce, come on. Well, that's really unfair. Buffy saved four babies last night, and you, and and Sunnydale for that matter. So, meh. well, and also Buffy doesn't have a job. Yeah. So she has no money. How can she pay? I guess in her allowance. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. So so but yeah, Buffy's like at least nothing else happened. At least I got to the two of you before you actually did something. <laughs> and she leaves. She walks away, and we're left with Joyce and Giles looking at each other. <laughs> so and awkward. Joyce is like right and Giles says indeed <laughs> and Joyce says yes and then they both turn and go their separate ways so here's my question for you Stephanie do you think Joyce and Giles did it oh hell yes they had the handcuffs they were alone all day two good-looking people cop car yeah they hell, hell yeah <laughs> Okay. The question is how many times? That's the real question. Ooh. <laughs> I I hope they were careful. 
you know, like Angel says. Ooh. <laughs> that was my favorite joke in the whole episode, by the way. Just, you guys being <laughs> careful? Me and Scott? <laughs> uh, okay, who's your hero? Uh, my hero is Buffy, Willow, and Oz. I think the, they're the heroes here. They did all the work. Xander and Cordy were mm-hmm. not in here very much at all, but Buffy took charge and she's the one that, you know, saved those babies, killed the demon, got shit, shit together. Willow and Oz were also there to help her put it together and do the research. So to me, it's, it's the trio this time around. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go Buffy. I, I don't think, like, I see what you're saying. Willow and Oz were definitely helpful. They just, I don't think they were in the episode that much either, so... This was a very Buffy episode, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, good for you, Buffy. Good job. Good hustle. <laughs> All right, so we have some hot stakes. Yes. Um, before we get to the hot stakes, just a couple of shout-outs to some of our Buy Me a Coffee supporters. So thank you, Hannah, Robbie, and Leah, for being longtime listeners, fans. Thank you for supporting us so much. So much fun on social media, these three. Okay, so our first hot stake is from Ashley who wrote in after listening to Passion, and she says, I know this is super late. <laughs> it's never too late. And she says, but I wanted to give you guys a hot stake about Passion, specifically the Joyce and Buffy scene. I wanted to point out that from Joyce's point of view, her 17-year-old daughter basically was groomed by this college-age guy. So I thought it was extremely unfair of her to talk about Buffy showing better judgment, especially because of Ted a couple episodes back. Joyce couldn't have known Ted was a serial killer, so how would she have expected Buffy to show that kind of judgment? Again, just ignoring the supernatural aspect and looking only from Joyce's point of view. <laughs> Our face is just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think it's the whole like double standard of parents always expecting more from their kids sometimes. Yeah, and I know that you and I had a very interesting conversation during that Joyce and Buffy scene because it's like we could definitely see where Joyce was being really unfair, but we just felt a lot of sympathy for where Joyce was coming from in approaching a conversation like that. So, I mean, it's always going to change, even by like day by day, you know, your the way that you well, approach a scene will change. And we've been harsh on Joyce before as a parent, right? Mm-hmm. Like Joyce is not a great parent. And I think in many ways, you know, the first two seasons of the show were Joyce showing us how rocky she is as a parent and how that isn't always the best for Buffy, right? Like, it would be different if Buffy had a parent who were maybe a little more involved or knew how to be more involved. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's that as well. Joyce is not perfect, and we don't claim she is. All right, our next hot stick. Hot stick. Our hot <laughs> stick tonight. <laughs> our next hot stick is from Nick, who wrote in and said, Sometimes you express desire not to see men being written to be gross to women on the show. And I get why. You probably experience enough yourselves. I think, though, that it is useful for men to be shown the range and frequency of grossness to understand what women go through on a regular basis. It's a vastly different experience of life for men and women, And it's hard to really get it, even if you know. I would be interested to hear if there are other male fans who learn something about the experience of being a teen girl in the world from this show. Okay. (laughs) I don't want to put you on blast, Nick. Uh, Nobody be mean mean to Nick, please. Um, But I think we need to unpack some assumptions that are being made in this comment. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did. I, I wanted to address them on the show because, as you said at the end, you wanted to know if there's other 
you know, cis male listeners out there who might be thinking similar things. And I think that's a valid question. So I would love if more of our male listeners wrote into us and talked about like, what is it like to watch this show as a man uh, and, you know, be exposed to these different perspectives. So please do write in. Um, but I, I need to push back a little bit on this idea that in order to be able to empathize with what women go through, you have to kind of like see it in all of its kind of graphic, gross glory. I, I think that empathy is something that you should just give people as a matter of course, and and you should take people at their word, right? So if, if a woman, if anybody says, this is how my life is, this is my lived experience of something, I don't think you need to see that in order to empathize. Um, I, I see where you're coming from because I agree with your implicit premise that television and movies and music and art, they do have this power of creating empathy. So I see what you mean. But I think that there's a little bit of privilege showing here with this idea that you need to like see that full range of it in order to accept that that's what women are experiencing instead of just being told it by women in your life. I don't know. Am I making any sense here? No, Beth? that makes a lot of sense. Keep going. Yeah. Going forward, I think it's like when, when we talk about like, oh, we don't want to see this grossness on, on the show. It, it, it's not that we don't want to see examples of bad behavior you know, I, I agree, like, it can be useful to see that being challenged. I think what we're criticizing is when the show doesn't challenge that bad behavior, right? It's like, we are harsh on Xander because the show lets him get away with so much. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we're being critical of. We are being critical of the show portraying things like toxic masculinity and not examining it. Um, and I'll give you kind of a contrast to that if you're kind of curious about another show that I think is extremely feminist, but maybe gets a little bit better in some ways. Go watch Orphan Black. Uh, and in that show, there's plenty of examples of toxic masculinity in all sorts of various forms. There's a ton of examples of ways in which women suffer, whether it's as a mother, as an, an, an employee, a worker, uh, as a sister has you know a friend there's lots of examples of the difficulties of being a woman in this world but the thing that that show does well is it challenges the toxic masculinity the patriarchy it challenges the causes of those suffering and that's something that buffy doesn't always do sometimes it does succeed but it doesn't um so just a thought is to think about like when you talk about building empathy, I think it's great that you want to get that empathy from media and stuff, but also just remember that you can get that empathy by just having conversations, listening to what women in the real world are telling you. And, you know, it's the same thing with everybody else. Like we can build our empathy for anybody who has a different identity from us just by listening to them. Because at the end of the day, when we talk about representation on television, I don't want to just see representation of suffering, mm -hmm. whether we're talking about women or trans people or disabled people or ace people, like let's see representations of joy as well. Yeah. Because if you want to empathize with somebody, don't just empathize with what they're suffering through, empathize with what makes them joyful too. Yeah. Well said.
All right. One more hot steak. One more. This one's from Emma. And Emma has come in to help me with something very important because I think I spewed false facts <laughs> in a past episode for Faith, Hope, and Trick where I, I think I guessed that Faith was younger than Buffy. So Emma comes in and says, just finished listening to your episode Faith, Hope, and Trick and wanted to, to say that Faith was born in December 1980. She is about one year older than Buffy. If she had been 15 or 16 years old versus 18 or 19 in season 3, it definitely would change how I viewed her actions and behaviors in upcoming episodes. Would it change yours? So first off, thanks, Emma, for the assist. So Faith, everybody, is older than Buffy, not younger, as I first guessed. Vindication! Vindication for Kara, doghouse for Steph. But I think it is interesting, and it does change my my view of Faith a little bit here, because I was thinking a lot of her actions in the last couple episodes that we've seen, and she wasn't in this episode, interesting enough, but, like, taking Buffy's authority and, like, melding into her life so easily, I thought was a trait of somebody yeah. younger. So it does kind of change my view on it, knowing that she's 18 or 19, that she's, you know, a legal adult and sex crazed, as we all know she is. Um, it does kind of take a different element onto it. And I'm excited to take this information forward with the rest of our rewatch. Yeah. So I agree that it definitely changes our interpretation. And that's why I thought she was older, because my reading of Faith has always been that she's been through a little bit more shit than Buffy. She spent her childhood very rough, and she's a little bit older than Buffy. She's seen a little bit more. So that's where some of the friction in their relationship is going to come from as we continue on the series, right? Is Buffy has more experience being the Slayer, but Faith has more experience in life when it comes to, like, boys, when it comes to sex, um, and that gives Faith a sense of confidence and assertiveness that Buffy occasionally lacks. And that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. Really looking forward to it. Thanks, Emma. And thanks, Ashley and Nick as well for writing in. Yes, we appreciate everybody writing in. Even when you write in and we got to kind of like give you a little bit of a course correction, we do appreciate all of our listeners sharing their views. Um, so this show is brought to you by our Buy Me A Coffee supporters. And in particular, our two chosen ones, uh, Lizzie, and the Emma who shared a hot steak with us today is also one of our new chosen ones. Thank you for supporting the show. Thanks so much, girls. And thanks so much, everyone, for listening. And Kara, as always, what a joyful episode. This one's one for the books, I think. <laughs> I really like this one. I'm going to go eat some chocolate. Yeah, I'm going to go have some uh, Cocorific chocolate. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.